Welcome to this latest podcast from the OSE on Creative Commons licenses. These are something which a lot of people might have heard of, but people aren't exactly sure exactly what they are and how they can be used. As with all things copyright related, they're actually much simpler than they appear to be. And the key is to think of the licenses a little bit like instructions in a cookbook. You can put anything together as long as you start off with the right ingredients. You might notice some foodie themes as we go through this podcast, so you might want to pause it now and grab a snack before we get too involved. We're going to talk through an introduction to the licenses, a little bit about their history and their creation, where they came about, break them down into their component parts, and think about how they can be used both by those who create content and those who want to use content. The first and perhaps most crucial ingredient in our cookbook is a basic understanding of copyright, everyone's favourite topic. Copyright and Creative Commons are actually meant to work together rather than against each other. So when you're talking about one, it's really important to make sure you understand the other, even if just a little bit. So copyright is an automatic legal right, which is part of a larger suite of rights known as intellectual property rights. A lot of rights in that sentence. These rights and laws govern how the outputs of a creator, so an author usually, or an artist, produces an output like a journal article, a book or a painting, and intellectual property rights govern how these outputs can be used by others. Copyright law exists for a couple of reasons. It offers an incentive to creators to encourage them to produce new works by giving them the chance to gain both money and a reputation from the work they do produce. And it also offers creators a certain level of protection by helping to ensure that others don't claim credit for work that they've actually produced. Copyright is automatically granted once an original work um, has been produced in a fixed form, for example, typing up a book chapter. It doesn't protect the ideas in your head. Copyright is divided into two main areas, economic rights and moral rights, and it's important to understand the difference between these in relation to Creative Commons. Economic rights are simply the right to make money from a work, so by producing copies or renting it out, creating a new version or an adaptation, or showing it to the public if it's a film. These rights belong to the original creator unless they're sold or given away. In contrast, the moral rights always stay with the creator and are designed to protect their reputation and give them the credit they're due for producing the work in the first place. Although copyright law is designed to prevent certain actions, it's as much about helping to advance knowledge as it is about stopping people doing things, which is quite a common misconception about copyright. It aims to promote the use of different materials in a lawful way that helps to protect the rights of the creators, but also allows people to build on this content. People often think that copyright is all about what you can do wrong, but this really isn't the case, and hopefully you'll see that this is where Creative Commons fits in. So now that we're all hopefully on roughly the same page about copyright, what exactly do we mean when we talk about Creative Commons? So Creative Commons licenses are open licenses, which are designed to complement existing copyright law rather than override it. Copyright, if you think about it, is a historic protection which was designed in a world where knowledge was only shared in a certain way, basically by printing it and then selling it or loaning it out through a library. That was the only way you knew anything. As with everything else, technology has come on somewhat and developed. 
and then so has the way that we share information. And it's become a lot easier for creators of content to share their work online at the click of a button. This is really great, but it often results in a bit of a conflict with copyright restrictions. Because once something is online, it can be really easily shared and then it's really easy to lose track of who it belongs to or what the original copyright permissions are. In theory, the safest thing to do in these circumstances is to assume that something you find is under copyright until proven otherwise, and therefore people can't use it. But in the real world, obviously, this doesn't stop people, which results in illegal use, which is not something we want to promote. On the sort of flip side of this, you have people who would be happy with their content being used. They put it out there and they're happy for people to come along and do things with it. But potential users can be overly cautious about using something when they don't know exactly what they can and can't do and whether they're going to get into trouble. In a world where we're trying to um, promote and develop our collective knowledge, surely there has to be a better way of doing things. And of course there is, and that is Creative Commons. So Creative Commons organisation was actually created to help address some of these tensions and as a result of some other copyright developments, mainly in the US. So in 1998, the Copyright Term Extension Act extended the term of copyright, funnily enough, for every work in the US by an extra 50 years, so that it brought it more into line with other countries where the kind of default term for copyright is lifetime of the creator plus 70 years. After this, the work would pass into the public domain and people would then be able to use it as they wanted. Lawrence Lessig, who was a professor of law at Stanford University, obviously um, heard about this extension to the Copyright Act and thought that this was unconstitutional as it meant that works were actually kept out of the public domain for longer. You were kind of like robbing people of what they'd come to expect. And he actually argued that this stifled creativity in a way that copyright was actually meant to help promote creativity. So he, he said it wasn't a very good idea. He actually... Uh, took this to court. Unfortunately, he lost, but the court case did lead uh, to the creation of both the Creative Commons organisation and then the Creative Commons licences. The licences themselves were launched in 2002 as a way for creators to um, specify how they wanted their work to be used in a really simple and easy to understand way that was consistent with copyright law. Attaching a Creative Commons license means that the creator retains the right to their work, but allows them to clearly outline to others how they would like it used. In theory, this simplifies the process of building on existing knowledge and creating new knowledge. The licenses themselves are quite regularly updated, and the latest iteration, which is version 4.0, was launched in 2013. At this point of the podcast, it's really important to reiterate, and I will keep saying this, that the licenses sit alongside copyright law and copyright exceptions. So things like using materials for educational purposes. They're simply designed to work with the existing rules to make things easier to understand. A lot of people think that Creative Commons is designed to overrule things or work in conflict, but it's not. They're designed to work side by side. So getting back to our cookbook analogy, you need to know about the ingredients that you're going to be using to create your recipe. So we're going to take a closer look at the different elements of a Creative Commons license. Each license is made up of three layers, a little bit like a, a layered cake. 
At the base, you have the human-readable plain language version of the license, the bit which makes it easy to understand for the rest of us. This is sometimes known as the common deed and is probably the part that most people will be familiar with. Next, you have the legal code. This is a legally enforceable part of the license which can be used in court if necessary. I think a lot of people assume that because you can go online and easily download a Creative Commons license that they're not really worth the digital paper they're written on, but they are actually legally enforceable licenses. Of course, the idea of them is to make sure that things don't get that far, but on the odd occasion that they have, these licenses can and have been relied on as a defence in court. The final layer of the cake is what's known as the machine-readable layer, which is aimed at computer software, and so it's easy for websites, apps, search engines, that kind of thing to understand. And this is something which really helps them to index openly licensed content, so that if you're explicitly looking for something openly licensed, you should be able to find it. So what about the individual elements of a license, the different ingredients that make up each one? You've probably come across at least some of the uh, Creative Commons symbols, even if you're not sure exactly what they mean. And it's kind of hard to describe without an image in front. So if you can, just, just Google them and have a look. So there are six main Creative Commons licenses, and they're designed to be completely customizable according to which of the four elements that make up each license you include. So first you have the attribution element. So each license needs to acknowledge the creator of the work using this attribution element. This is only removed if the work is either placed in the public domain with a CC0 license or the creator waives their right to attribution, which they can do. We also have ND, the no derivatives element, which specifies that no public changes can be made to the original work, including adaptations and remixes. This element is part of two of the main licenses. If the non-commercial element is included, NC, then only the original creator is allowed to make money from their work. Anyone who uses the original as a basis of something new can't then sell it or otherwise use it for commercial gain, like putting the image on a t-shirt and selling it. Non-commercial is also part of two of the main licenses. And the final element is SA, share alike, which is the one that confuses most people. This specifies that any new creations made from existing materials must be shared under the same license as the original work. So, for example, if the original is licensed under a non-commercial license, the new one has to be too. The result of all this is a license that's made to order, which is a bit like a burger at your favourite fast food place. Each one of these burgers is made up of the range of ingredients that the restaurant stocks, but they can be combined in different ways according to what the customer actually wants on their burger. The only thing that each one has to include is some type of burger patty, whether that be vegetarian or meat and whatever kind of meat you want, etc., etc. And in this analogy, this is the CC by element. So every license has to include that. But then you can add a variety of different toppings on the top. You could add cheese as the non-commercial element, if you want to make sure that your work isn't used for profit by anybody else, and if you're really disgusting, you can top it off with bacon, not something I recommend. And this is the share alike element to make sure that anyone adapting their work shares the new creation under the same license. Just to be clear, I'm recommending that you don't have bacon on your burger, not that you um, don't use the share alike element. Not a big fan.
The result is a Creative Commons license which can be applied to the work and outlines exactly what that creator wants others to do with that work. It's worth pointing out that different works by the same creator can be licensed in different ways depending on how they want that particular thing shared. And the same is often true of different works from the same publisher, so bear that in mind. There are six main Creative Commons licenses excluding CC0, which is sometimes known as putting works in the public domain. This is something which happens after a certain period of time anyway, and it's when anyone is free to use the work as it's not restricted by copyright, but creators can also attach a CC0 license to material which makes it available straight away. Although the Creative Commons licenses are quite visually similar, if you have a look at them online, you'll see that each one is made up of slightly different elements. And they kind of, we're going to talk through them from the the least to the most restrictive of the open licenses, which feels like a funny sentence to say. So at the sort of least restrictive end, you have attribution. So those using works are free to distribute, remix, and build upon the original work as long as they credit the author of the original creation. Then you have attribution share alike, where people are able to remix or build upon a work and use it commercially if they want to as long as they credit the original creator and share the work they create under the same license as the original. See where this starts to get confusing because it's the same sort of terminology in each one. Next, we have attribution non-commercial, where again, people can adapt and remix a work, but they can't do so for money. This is followed by attribution no derivatives, where the new work can be shared both commercially and non-commercially as long as the work is unchanged and the original author is credited. It's worth remembering that, somewhat confusingly, people can change a work under this license for their own private use, but they're not allowed to share it in any way, which somewhat defeats the point. And then we have attribution, non-commercial, share alike. Under this license, work can be remixed and built upon non-commercially, as long as the original creator is given credit and the new work is licensed under identical terms to the original. And finally, you have attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, which is the most restrictive of these open licenses. This specifies that works can be downloaded and shared as long as they're not changed in any way, not used commercially, and the original creator is given credit. Unfortunately, the choice of license is not always up to the person who created it. So depending if you're a researcher on your funder and who you're publishing with, they might mandate a certain open license that they expect you to attach to your work. And it's really important that um, anyone creating content and attaching an open license to it checks the conditions of their funder or their publisher carefully to make sure there isn't any kind of conflict. When any recipe is complete, it's time to present the finished product to the wider world so that you can basically have a taste test. But how do creators actually use Creative Commons licenses to share their work? In this next section of the podcast, we're going to look at how you can go about licensing work for others to use and how you as a user can find and make use of open content, something that you can pass on to your research community, hopefully. So although you've got words like licensing and copyright and a lot of this podcast has been quite terminology heavy, it tends to make people think they're dealing with something really, really complex. But in practice, it's actually really easy to license something under Creative Commons. You've got three simple steps you have to follow. 
Number one is look on the Creative Commons website, which has a handy license selector tool, which will talk you through um, the process of choosing the right license for your particular needs. Once this is done, the website gives you a, a download of the machine readable code, licensing statements, images, all things that you can attach to the actual physical or digital object to make sure that the correct license is actually displayed. As long as the Creative or a Creative Commons license is attached in some way, then the work is protected. But remember, again, that Creative Commons licenses complement copyright law and so they'll be valid until the copyright in the work expires, but not beyond that. Step two is to add a statement to the work explaining that it's openly licensed, which license is attached, and the details of the creator. It doesn't overly matter which phrasing you use, but I would suggest you use the one which Creative Commons themselves recommend. And that mentions the type of license you're attaching, the version number, because the rules for different versions vary slightly with each one. And I would say it's best to use the latest version of the license you want, as obviously this has the most up-to-date rules. And also it kind of goes without saying that if you want to be credited, then you need to include your name, something which I have forgotten in the past. The final step is something which is not really a practical step, in some ways, but something which a lot of people don't consider when they're adding an open license. They go to Creative Commons, they pick the license, they add it to the material and they send it off and they think, yeah, that's great. But how open is that piece of work really? How open is that output? If you're adding an open license, you need to make sure there aren't any other blocks. So if you've used proprietary software, that's gonna stop people who don't have access to that software. So putting something out in Word openly is great. But if I don't have access to Word as a program, can I then access the thing you've put out? How difficult is that going to be for me? Less difficult now than it was, but it is still a problem. And the same with some sort of social and online sharing tools. So I know, for example, things like Google Drive and Docs are um, blocked in some workplaces, particularly things like the NHS and some organizations like that. So is that really the best mechanism to be sharing your work if you want it to be open? And you also need to make sure that you don't upload it to any platforms which use any type of digital rights management, which can stop people then actually using the work and building on it. Once a Creative Commons license has been attached, it's important to remember that it can't be revoked. But there are some options for creators if they decide they're not happy with the, the license as it stands. They can take that particular work offline and or re-upload it with a different license. But they do need to remember that there's no such thing as removing something completely from the internet. If someone has already found the work under its original license, then they're not breaking any rules to use it under that license, no matter what the creator has decided at a later date. For example, if I find something where the non-commercial element was added later, uh, but I found it where um, commercial use was actually allowed and I use it for commercial purposes, there's not really much that the creator can do about it. So it's really important to think about things before you license them. Permanence is not the only consideration that content creators need to think about when licensing their work. Some type of types of format are just not appropriate for Creative Commons licenses. And the most common example of this is computer software, where there are other sort of more specific open licenses dedicated to computer software, which can be applied. So I would recommend using one of those. 
you need to think about whether the work is copyrightable in the first place. So Creative Commons licenses, you, you can't just come along and stick them on something that isn't already covered by copyright, such as works in the public domain. The person applying the license needs to think about whether they actually have the right to do this. So do they own the copyright to the material they want to license? Is it shared with someone? Are they using other people's material? You can't openly license material you don't own the rights to or where the rights actually you know they belong to someone else, which sounds really obvious, but it is something that does occasionally get forgotten. Finally, creators need to think carefully about which parts of the larger work they're applying a license to. So if a work takes existing text belonging to someone else and adds new images, then the license can only be applied to the new elements. And any statement, any uh, Creative Commons statement needs to make this absolutely clear. So you're not accidentally claiming credit for someone else's work. And we'll talk about this in a bit more detail further on in the podcast. So we thought about the chef in our cookbook analogy, but what about the person actually sampling the finished dish? How do potential users go about finding and using Creative Commons licensed content? If you do a quick online search, it's going to bring up a huge range of open content if you're using uh, filters properly. But even when using these filters, it does pay to be cautious and always double check the license on the individual work. There are also dedicated search engines and sites out there which only offer open content, things like the Creative Commons search tool and Wikimedia Commons, which you might want to use or direct people to as needed. Once you've found the material, it's important that it's properly attributed. There are lots of different ways of citing material and people have their own local conventions and things. But one of the best and easiest to remember is the TASL method, T-A-S-L, title, author, source and license. For example, the attribution for this podcast technically would be the Creative Commons Cookbook by Claire Saul, Office of Scholarly Communication, Cambridge, is licensed under a CC BY 4.0 license. This then includes all of the relevant information so that others can locate and correct, correctly attribute the work if they need to. You could, of course, use material that's registered as CC0. This material is not under a license, but is instead in what they call the public domain. This means that the material is free to use and build upon without attribution. Although if you do know the details of the creator, then it's still good practice to add that attribution. Finally, it's a good idea to remember that Creative Commons licenses are designed as a way to complement copyright, not replace it. Something that I keep mentioning if you've made it this far. If your intended use of material falls under any existing copyright exceptions or limitations, then this overrides the CC license and essentially you don't have to worry. So it would be great if everybody followed the rules in this recipe, but unfortunately sometimes things do go wrong and you might end up with the dreaded soggy bottom for those of you who get the Bake Off reference. Apologies if we have any international listeners who think I just said something completely weird. Many content creators who would like to use open licensing are actually really worried about how it will impact the use of their work and how they can ensure that people do actually observe the rules they've set out via a certain license. So unfortunately, it's just sort of a fact of sharing things that you won't be able to protect it at all times. Once you've let it out into the wild, you kind of have to let it go. And there's only so much that can be done. However, there are some reassurances that we can offer people who are worried. 
So creators can choose not to be associated with their materials or object to any use of their materials which they strongly disagree with. And I don't just mean you, you, you just don't like what they've done with it. It has to be like really, really quite bad. Although attribution is a fundamental ingredient in all the Creative Commons licenses, the creator can actually completely waive their right to attribution when they release it publicly. So they can say, well, I've, I've created this thing. Here you go. Do with it what you want. I don't want people to credit me in any way. They can do that. More commonly, if they don't like how their creation has been used or adapted, they can ask to have their name removed from that particular version. So the underlying text of the attribution element also contains a clause which stops the name of the original creator being used to endorse or support the views expressed in the new work. If this happens, then an official objection can be raised, citing the legal course within clause within each license. So it's, it's a very, very extreme example, and I shouldn't think this happens very often, but if you were to release an artwork and a neo-Nazi group got hold of this artwork and used it as their symbol, you can object to that as part of your moral right under copyright. You don't, I would hope, want to be associated with that kind of thing, so you can object, and this is where the legal license comes in. This is something that's particularly important to explain to researchers in the world of arts and humanities, because they've raised very valid and quite specific concerns around the potential for their words to be twisted if their work is openly licensed. So a lot of the research in arts and humanities relies on the knowledge and interpretation of the author of uh, historical documents or some such, whereas in sciences it's more black and white. In humanities, social sciences is more of a grey area. So they don't want to put something out there and under an open license, have their words twisted and then someone say, well, so-and-so said this. and completely understand why, because it could be detrimental to their reputation. It's important to remember that these licenses are legal documents, which can and indeed have been used to protect the rights of content creators in court. They contain specific protections, which help to secure these rights at the same time as helping the person who created it promote the use of their outputs more widely. So there, there is that inbuilt protection and that balance in there. On the flip side of this, creators need to remember that as long as licensees, so people who are using the material, are not violating the license in any way, then the creator has a limited amount of control once something has been published and shared. This is one of the reasons, I think, why knowing about Creative Commons licenses and spending some time choosing the right license is so important because if you just stick something on and send it off and then decide you don't like it there is stuff you can do but really not a lot so spend some time beforehand anyone using these licenses needs to remember that they are legally enforceable which will stand up in court and although broadly speaking the open community who is likely to be using these licenses will abide by the rules. There have been a few cases where um, opening licensed material has been used in a way that people don't approve of and things have gone to court. And it's important to stress that the, the legitimacy of Creative Commons license has never been questioned. Anyone who violates a Creative Commons license, if it's the most recent version, which is 4.0, has up to 30 days to correct it because sometimes people just do it accidentally. They don't know or they, they kind of get confused or they get the wrong end of the stick. If you just approach the person and 
and remind them of the license, they'll probably go, oh, God, I'm really sorry. I didn't know. I will change that in some way. And that 30 days allows most people time to um, take care of the genuine mistakes. So hopefully the result of the Creative Commons cookbook for you is a simple and effective way to promote the sharing and reuse of the world's knowledge. Creative Commons offers creators the chance to specify what they will allow others to do with their work whilst protecting their rights. And at the same time, those looking to use material have an easy way to understand how they can use what they find. Like all of the best recipes, I think we have to hope that the cookbook is used for years to come because the more people who use Creative Commons licenses, the more material will be available to use in the future. Everyone will know what they're doing and who knows where this knowledge could lead. Thanks for listening. <laughs>